0: Welcome to the JLA cast, a podcast in which we explore life in the time of Grant Morrison across the DC universe and beyond. My name's John and I'm the writer and
1: creator of Afterlife Inc. And I'm PJ and I am the writer of the graphic novel adaptation of Steve Jackson's The Trolltooth Wars. We're recording on a Saturday, PJ. We are recording on a Saturday because some lucky boy has his 57th birthday tomorrow.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm um, I'm 57 years young. It's all... uh, (laughs) i'm just very i'm just very well preserved pj don't let the voice fool you
1: i just like to pretend that you're older than me sometimes
0: i feel um i feel like you know we 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 we, we jest about pj's pj's you know advanced years but like he's he's very young at heart and i i do kind of feel that like um <laughs> indie comic years for a bit like dog years they're like there's like 14 of them to one. So <laughs> I think anybody who's made independent comics is instantly an
1: old person. That's just, yes, that's, how that's it true. Works. That's true. But young at heart, for sure. To the point where someone said to us the other day about uh, about my, my son, The Flash, um, <laughs> you know, are you, are you going to have another? And we said, no. <laughs> no, we're not. Why would you ask us that? For one thing, we've nailed it first time. Oh, right? yeah. I mean, <laughs> a straight winner. Yeah. yeah. Another thing... I'm 41, I cannot cope with a second. He's taken so much out of me. I love him to pieces, but it is difficult. I am not doing that again at this age. And then they went, oh, but without a sibling, you know, he'll get lonely. And I'm like, no, his father is an absolute child. If that kid wants to watch cartoons and play video games with someone, he's going to do it with me. It's fine.
0: That kid is going to have... Uh, at least two mainstream mainstream universes of friends to <laughs> hang out with, you know, uh, every every week. PJ from 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 his local comic shop.
1: Yeah, exactly. He'll be friends with with you know his pals Clark Kent and Bruce Wayne and Barry Allen and the Powerpuff Girls. <laughs> how yeah?
0: How could you possibly be lonely when Superman exists? That's, that's... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I uh I was just saying something random yesterday and it was about a um i think an american study about general knowledge mm. and uh they basically asked like i don't know thousands of college students across america like a 300 question general knowledge quiz oh okay uh, and basically every every question had like a, a one or at most two word answer Right. And it got and it was the idea is it got like increasingly uh, difficult as it went on. And then, of course, they just published for stats, you know. They say that, like, um, oh, you know, 90, 97% of um, people know that know what um, hibernation is, that sort of thing. Or, right. Uh, 86% of people know that the thing you hit in ice hockey is called a puck, like that sort of thing. They just give you, like, little stats. Um, and I don't know what you meant to take away from this. Like, I, I don't know, like... Is is that meant to go? Are you meant to go? Oh, that's that's kind of that that's deep. That means something. But one of the questions, and I, I can't remember the stats, and but it was um, it was something like uh, uh what is Batman's secret identity? Hmm. So, uh, I, I I don't have a scats in front of me, so we can't play the guessing game of how many people do you think got that right. But what do you think was the most popular wrong answer? Was it Clark Kent? It was Clark Kent. <laughs> so they, so, 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 so that's, like, that's like half knowledge, isn't it? Because yeah. they, they're not like, who's Batman? They were like, oh, well, he's a superhero. But they couldn't, you know, quite put it together.
1: That That's wild to me. Because, yeah, all right. If someone asked a, a random person on the street, what's Green Lantern's secret identity? They'd probably go, what is Green Lantern? That's fair. But... You know there are probably three superheroes that everybody in the world knows just superman batman spider-man and surely everyone knows their secret identity it's always wild to me when you come across someone who doesn't
0: i feel there's like a weird um because cause that, that was one of those things as well isn't it it was like you know maybe like late 90s early 2000s people were talking a lot about like these big cultural icons you know the idea that like Art Simpson is globally recognized, mm. um, uh, Ronald McDonald. And and yeah, and, it, and it's funny you mentioned those three superheroes because I do feel there's like a watershed moment in public consciousness where I want to say like before 2008, um, quote unquote normal people, by which I mean not the kind of people who have a JLA-themed podcast. <laughs> if they had to name three superheroes in a pub quiz, it would be Superman, Batman, Spider-Man. Like, I yeah. just feel, yeah, they were just kind of, they just permeated the
1: culture. Like, nobody knew who the hell Iron Man was. I would say there was a certain amount of, of recognition for the Hulk because of the 70s TV show. Mm. Uh, and that sort of then just lasted. Hulk was in the popular consciousness. But, yeah, beyond that, yeah.
0: <laughs> we well, see, and, and now it's bizarre, isn't it? Because, of course, because of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, um, like, yeah, I'd, I'd love to take that test again. I'd love to ask, like, you know, someone on the other side of the planet, to go, like, um, name a superhero. And Iron Man would probably be up there now. Captain yeah. America, Thor, that's
1: bizarre. That's absolutely yeah. bizarre. Weirdly, Aquaman probably would be as well. Oh, God, you're right, yeah.
0: It's kind of
1: odd. I know, like... um.
0: The DC universe has had a lot of missteps, but like, it, it, sorry, the cinematic universe. Uh, it is it is very odd that they there hasn't been a better pass at Green Lantern.
1: Yeah, they kind of just seem to be steering clear of him, don't they? I think I think they've announced that there'll be a TV show, Green Lantern Core, as part of James Gunn's plans in the not too distant future. Yeah, and like a there was space. Police procedural. Sort yeah, of thing. yeah, but I don't think they've confirmed which Green Lanterns will be in it. Uh, if they have, I've missed that. But and I know that in the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League, there was a little bit of Green Lantern stuff, but it was it was it wasn't any of the Earth based Green Lanterns. It was just I think there was a prologue where one of the groups that fought Darkseid was the Green Lantern Corps, and so you did see them there, but that was it.
0: Yeah. And that doesn't really count.
1: No, because, no. you know, by the end of sitting through that entire thing, you've you've lost feeling everywhere and you just don't care anymore. Life well, he means was, nothing. Like, he, was, he was throwing, like, all kinds of epilogues
0: on, wasn't he? Just to, like, you know, stuff... You know, the, the stuff he was filming, you know, right up until the last moment, just to, like, cram in extra stuff. But, like, oh, here's a teaser for the Green Lantern Corps. Like, here's a teaser for... Um, Oh, post-apocalyptic stuff. You know, just trying to really get his foot in the door in the hope that this the Snyder... What do we call that? Like the Snyderverse would kind of take off.
1: Well, I think the idea was for him to do one more film. I think his idea was always that it would be... What was it? Two more... One or two more films just to finish his story. But his story wasn't very good, so... Nobody cares. Well, no, there are people who care. That's a total lie. Um, and, you know, if you enjoy Snyder's take on the DC characters, fine. More power to you. I think they're awful and bear no resemblance to the characters from the comics. But that's just me. It's the people who get really vocal and abusive about it, though. Please don't associate yourselves with those Snyder fans because I hate them. It's I. It's kind of... I mean we we've, we've talked about it at length before but it, it is kind of
0: it's kind of disgusting quite disappointing what that all devolved into cuz yeah. there's an excellent rolling stone article that kind of navigates some of the online campaigning around you know release for Snyder cut and stuff and it's, it's an excellent article I'd recommend reading it because it 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 goes as far as you can who say there are tenuous connections to suggest it was it was quite an orchestrated effort yeah like yeah this was this was not a kind of like grassroots movement of of, of fans who really cared about it although there were fans who really cared about it this was this this was certain people trying to like ferment uh, a group to put pressure on the studio and it, it kind of worked in the end and it's
1: it's all
0: a bit it's all a bit seedy it's all a bit solid, yeah. really
1: but also what we got because they the the campaign was founded on the belief that there was this mythical cut hidden somewhere in the basement at Warner Brothers. Yeah, and that's not what we got because they went in and spent millions of dollars shooting new stuff for it.
0: Oh yeah, and that that's that's just a flat out lie and like uh, something that Zack Snyder helped perpetuate. Because, exactly. Yeah, there's a world of difference between shooting a bunch of B-roll because you know he could like you know you'd give out cryptic tweets and say like oh no it definitely exists you know and it's like yeah you shot a bunch of stuff that's not the same as having a finished cut film
1: yeah an assembly cut isn't a finished film
0: and then you went back and as as you rightly said pj spent billions of dollars on brand new footage to just pad it out it's it's very yeah very disingenuous
1: i i will say the only thing i'm sort of like there's a part of me that would have been morbidly curious to see to see him finish his his take on these characters. And I liked some of his casting. So you get hints of it in his uh, his Justice League cut. You get Harry Lennox, his character from Man of Steel and uh, Batman v Superman, his, his army general, I think it is, is revealed to be Jean. Oh, okay. And you actually get that in the Snyder cut. You get a scene between Martian Manhunter and Bruce Wayne. Uh, and 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 that's good casting. I, I think I would have liked to have seen more than that. Likewise, Joe Manganiello as as Deathstroke. He's he's great in that part, but he he gets like one cameo scene in in the post credits for one film. I think the Joss Whedon cut of Justice League that happened in, and then in the Zack Snyder Justice League, there's a different scene with him in it, just for one scene. And and I love that casting. I would have liked to see more of that as well. But
0: yeah, yeah. we're probably I mean,
1: better off without it in the long run.
0: As, mu- as much as I am not a fan of his particular vision, um, it's the studio did. You know, Warner Brothers did originally hire him to do a thing, yeah, and they maybe should have had the strength of their convictions to just kind of see it through, yeah. Because I, I don't think anybody was massively happy with the kind of the Whedon cut. Like the the kind of re, remashed version,
1: it's kind of like a lose lose situation for everyone, really. <coughs> yeah, I think that basically, I mean that and all the all the stuff that's come out about his abusive and bullying behaviour on sets after, but that film almost ended Whedon's career. So mm. that's the thing. Like, and this is a, this is a bizarre thing. Like, nobody
0: really comes across as happy as a result of this. And no, um, God, no. And and again, it, it, it's weird now, scaring. You know, it's going down the barrel of like the, I don't know what you call it, the the gun-verse, I suppose. Hmm. And um, I guess we we don't 100% know what their plans are, but we talked a little bit about Superman. I've already forgotten what it's called, the new Superman movie. Uh, Superman Legacy, is it? Superman Legacy? Yeah. Why not? Yeah. So we talked about that and how, in a previous episode, and how it's an interesting cast they're putting together. Because... You know, if 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 it were up to me, I'd be like, Okay, well, you know, we're coming off the back of you know, the whole kind of extended universe debacle. I'd be like, right out of the gate, let's just have a Justice League movie, completely new cast, the Magnificent Seven. You know, just just <coughs> set the bar, like do what um they talked about years ago. Like do just do do the opposite of Marvel. Don't introduce every character in a solo movie, just do a Justice League movie. Introduce all these characters as one, as a team, and then do the spin-offs.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's one thing I sort of do respect about what Snyder did was not... I mean, it was running before they could before they could walk doing Batman v Superman. But, on the other hand, we didn't need to see Batman's origin again. So That's just true. Having Batman already exist in that universe and he's there and we're just going to stick him in this film. That I respect, in a way, because it's like, you know... We've seen so many origins of Batman on screen. Him and Spider-Man, I think, have had their <laughs> origin told and retold and retold in films too many times. Uh, so that I was like, "Yeah, that's fine. Let's just have Batman is already established. Great." Just a shame about the rest of that film.
0: Yeah. The um, speaking of um, James Gunn um they've uh it's been in development uh it's been in uh kind of post-production for for ages but they've they've just this week finally announced that um the remake of the toxic avenger
1: is, yes. is coming out it's finally coming out as a as a date in mind yeah and they've released a shot of i, I didn't realize peter dinklage playing <laughs> Playing Toxie. I knew his name was attached to it. I just didn't know, like, in what context. No, nobody really knew anything about it. I mean, it's a very shadowy image. You can't see much other than the outline. But I'm like, okay, that's cool. I'm down. Yeah, it's it's funny. Like, um, people are getting excited, and of course, uh, there's
0: Elijah Wood involved and Kevin Bacon. You know, it's legendary studios, so it's like it's a big, sorry, legendary. Whatever production team or whatever, so it's it's a big it's a big affair. It's it's just that like nobody's heard anything for like a couple of years. Like it was shot, it's just been sitting around. Maybe it got delayed with COVID or something.
1: As as someone whose name is associated with the brand, John. uh... Oh oh oh, oh, who could that be? Oh hello, PJ. Yes, hello. Yes, that's me. Yeah. (laughs) How uh how are are you? Do you think it'll help the game or?
0: I do, I do. Um, again, I am, I am, I am privy to certain kind of um, discussions behind the scenes and stuff. But uh, yeah, not directly affiliated with the movie at all. They're kind no. of two separate teams. But of course, all, we're all coming to drink from the same well, basically. The so. Same toxic well. Yeah, and I was surprised uh, to hear the announcement that not only is the new movie coming out, uh, all of the original. Toxic Avenger movies are getting a uh a 4K restoration. Oh really? A trauma film in 4K? Is that a good idea? <laughs> well, that's that's the thing, isn't it? Yeah. And, and this is why I was thinking about James Gunn, because it's like obviously he, he got his start in the world of trauma. And um there are <laughs> there are bits of James Gunn's early career that I hope will not now haunt his current career. <laughs> when they are released in glorious 4K, because there is there is stuff in some of them where you're like, oh wow, <laughs> I bet
1: he's embarrassed about that now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do you know what? I've never watched any of the Toxic Avenger movies. I've never just just never had the opportunity. I know you have because you watched one for the Horror Hangout po- uh, podcast, didn't you?
0: Yes, I've watched one and four. Okay, which um, there's a school of thought that says there you can ignore
1: two and three. <laughs> but i did love the cartoon when i was a kid and that was a lot of fun because it was just because it was silly and i like silliness very very silly and
0: um i mean speaking of 4k restorations, again it's a different team but as part of the work that's being done to make the game which which is where my involvement comes in um they are doing um a 4k restoration of the original cartoon as well Oh okay that's cool. Yeah so it's it's funny it's like I I don't know how this all kind of suddenly came to pass. I mean the ur- uh, the urban legend is that um New Line Cinema bought the Toxic Crusaders brand at the height of its popularity so kind of like 1993 mm. and killed it. They they offend- they effectively sat on it because it was seen as a potential rival to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles which of course mm. was kind of which it it was it was you know another radioactive themed group of heroes and um I don't know if like those rights have suddenly like elapsed or something or because it, it all kind of it all seemed to happen around the same time like uh not only did the new movie you know the rights were acquired by legendary and that went into production but you know you started to get like um New Toxic Crusaders action figures coming out, and of course, the video game went into production. So, yeah, I don't know. It just, it's always,
1: I think, I think next year is going to be quite a good year for you know, everything toxic, basically. What a wild time to be alive! Because to be honest, it's a brand I never imagined coming back. <laughs> no, no, God, no, no. I mean, like, as people have been
0: asking, like, you know, what next? I mean, uh, Biker Mice from Mars that you is know. coming back,
1: that's been confirmed. What? Wait, what? Really? Yeah, Ryan Reynolds is involved in a reboot of Biker Mice from Mars. Okay, I was being facetious.
0: Wow. Okay. Uh, I mean, like, street sharks? Oh, God, no. No, okay. No, No one cares enough about street sharks.
1: I think Biker Mice from Mars was sort of the last of those anthropomorphic animal hero things that sort of was popular enough that they could potentially redo now. I remember like watching and enjoying Biker Mice from Mars
0: as a kid. But then I also watched and enjoyed Street Sharks. And like
1: I wasn't very discerning as a child. So I don't know, I don't know how well that actually lives up. <laughs> I I enjoyed Biker Mice from Mars. Uh I remember the theme tune more than anything else, I think though. So you yeah, had this weird sort of robot voice in it that 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 I liked.
0: I can't remember the theme tune, nor can I remember any of the names of the main characters. But
1: oh, if there had... was there was Biker Mouse, um, <laughs> other Biker Mouse. and now, okay, third now, Biker see, Mouse. I, okay, uh,
0: for a moment, I almost believed you because it's like <laughs> we're reading a comic where there is a team called the Black Hawks who are led
1: by Black Hawk. Wait, I'm, I'm, is one of them Vinny? I think one of them might have been called Vinny. Right. Okay. Uh, I, yeah, I thought. Yes. Here we go. Modo, Vinny, and Rimfire? Rimfire? Uh, three a... seasons. No, sorry, Throttle, Vinny, and Modo. Rimfire oh, is a different okay. character. Oh, okay, okay.
0: Yeah, yeah, they'd have to have. I, I, I figured, you know, if I had to guess, I would have said they'd be called cool things like Throttle, Axle, you know, um, what else could cars have? Torque. Yeah, bikes. <laughs> yeah handlebars it's basically uh, <laughs> like we need we need reject autobot names basically
1: yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> handlebars <laughs> saddlebags <laughs> <laughs> oh but no I, i'm up for a bike of mice from mars reboot as well actually i um uh for for random
0: reasons i've been kind of digging into old um like 2000 ad kind of stuff like um you know, old old British comics and all that. Mm. And I was going to ask you, PJ, just just literally, there's no right answer here, just as a point of conversation. Like, what kind of British superheroes spring to your mind that didn't kind of stem from Marvel? I suppose.
1: Oh, uh, I mean, in terms of superheroes, none not, really.
0: Yeah, it's not a very deep vein, is it? For some reason, we just didn't really get on board with that over here.
1: No, no. It, it, you know, when you think superheroes, it is all... Uh, in British superheroes, anyway, it is Captain Britain and then all the Marvel UK characters from the 80s and, and early 90s. Uh, and then some that were created later on as well. Like, I remember in Civil War, Paul Jenkins created a Welsh superhero called Red Dragon, which is obvious, but, you know, there it is.
0: Yeah, and doesn't uh, doesn't... Uh, this is, isn't Red Dragon's costume mostly green and white,
1: much like the, the the Welsh flag? I thought it was just red, but with the Welsh flag on, on the chest, but oh. I might be remembering that wrong. Oh,
0: I don't know. I, I'm, I think my only familiarity with the character is like a, a brief cameo in like an X-Men Civil War tie-in or something like that. Mm. I'd, ha- I'd have to look this up now. I'm intrigued. Yeah. The problem is that if you were going to be a superhero who had the responsibility of policing Wales uh where where, of course you currently live pj and a lot of my family are from um there's a lot of mountains yes yeah there are yeah uh, like the population is like dotted around um aside from like i guess cardiff is is the big metropolis there aren't there aren't many kind of
1: thriving urban environments for a superhero to really kind of let loose uh, I've just looked up Red Dragon, and yeah, you were right. It, it, I was misremembering. It is just the the white and green with the red dragon on the chest.
0: Something to consider, though. There was like a new—I um, swear I say new, but it's probably like a couple of years old now. But wasn't there like a a new British team that Marvel kind of brought out, and like it was meant to
1: be. It kind of makes some of the some of the national newspapers over here. Oh, I vaguely remember that. I think it was a while ago now. I, I don't remember any of the details though. It was like four members. They were each meant to represent. It was like you know, kind of England,
0: Wales, Scotland, Northern Ireland, I think. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know where that is now, but um, yeah, it, it, it's funny when our tabloids take it. You know, suddenly pay attention. To that sort of thing. It's like yeah. a, it's like when Superman became, when Superman died and became Electric Blue Superman. That made the news. I remember hearing <laughs> about that as a kid. Yeah, in my mind. Yeah, same. Well, did you um, have you ever read any um, Zenith by Grant Morrison? Uh no, I don't believe I have. Two thousand. It, it originally ran in two thousand AD. So obviously black and white, um, uh, and drawn by Steve uh, Yowell or y- Yoel, Yo- well, however however it's pronounced. Hmm. And um, I know for a fact that 2000 AD did some kind of like um, like masterpiece collections of it. I've got Volume One of Zenith. Okay. And uh, it is quite fun actually. And um, an old colleague at a when I used to work at a school gave me. It's very kind actually. Gave me the an entire Run the original run of Zenith in actual Disc Two Thousand and Eight issues, which was astonishingly kind. Really, I'm, I'm looking at it now. I've got it in a couple of boxes by my desk. And okay, yeah, and it's basically like it was very much capitalising on the '90s pop star phenomenon. So he yeah. was he was a superhero who was also like a pop star. Okay, and uh didn't really do much in his day-to-day life because they weren't really like villains or anything um but his the biggest gimmick i, I remember it all got a bit lovecraftian towards the end because of course <laughs> morrison it escalated very quickly in fact come to think of it i think in the second arc of zenith morrison even did like the whole crisis on infinite earths thing oh okay like, like it really went from being like oh i'm a. I'm like a teenage bratty superhero pop star with not much on my plate to suddenly being like, Oh, I've uncovered like a government conspiracy involving <laughs> my parents and now I'm off into the multiverse and now it's all Lovecraftian and stuff. But there there was there were some fun there were some fun ideas in that.
1: <laughs> that does sound
0: crazy. Morrison yeah, again fun. again proving that um they like to think big. <laughs> yep. Yeah, well, why not? Why not indeed? Um but yeah, PJ, I mean, uh, here was me worrying we wouldn't have enough kind of random digressions before we got into the episode,
1: but that hasn't been too bad. If anything, we've gone on too long. Oh, I apologise. Um, <laughs> Sorry, where... listeners, but, you know, we just enjoy talking. Where, where on earth are we, PJ? What, what, what are we talking about? What are we doing? Well, we're still in the, the uh, first year of the Justice League of America in its uh, 90s version. Um, we're looking at JLA year one. We've passed the halfway point. Because we've just had the Doom Patrol show up, uh, and now we're on to an issue with another guest star. Yes, and do, do you do you suppose
0: PJ that because obviously this series was released over the course of a year, mm. and it tells the story of a year in the JLA's life? Do you suppose that ev- it's roughly corresponding with the passage of of the of the months? By which I mean. This is issue seven, so is is this
1: like July? I think roughly there are a couple of issues here and there that do just follow on from each other, so you have to assume there are larger gaps in between them. And I think in fact there's there's a large gap in this issue because um, we'll we'll get to it. But there's sort of a montage of JLA adventures that sort are of midway through the issue, so I think we can assume that that is the time passing uh, in between pages. Yes, I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts on that, PJ,
0: as as the official uh JLA Cask um historian. I can tell you now, I don't know. <laughs> we'll work it out. Um uh, speaking of things I don't know, like, and because I'm just a very, very clueless person, and I guess also I'm reading this in a trade paperback, um, I've really I've literally only just noticed that ev- the cover to every issue in this series is um is the Daily Planet newspaper.
1: Yeah, um, that's not how the covers were printed. I think, as they when they were individual issues. I think that's just a conceit they've used for the trade.
0: Oh, God! You see, you you teach me so much, PJ. Well, what can you do? That's for wisdom of ages.
1: Uh, yeah, but I I like that though. I like the uh, the Daily Planet thing that they do with it. It just makes it look like this is this week's story about the Justice League or day. I don't know. Is the Plan Yeah, Daily Planet It's right in the name, PJ. God. <laughs> the day, the monthly planet is like the um
0: that's the one that's got extra extra crosswords in yeah yeah that's yeah like the omnibus edition <laughs> um but yeah so uh the justice league have just had their first kind of big team up with the doom patrol mm-hmm. uh they survived a frankly horrifying uh a, a, a grim body horror experience and came out stronger on the other side and um they are still facing well, there's a, there's a mystery at the heart of the team, PJ. Namely, who the hell is their mysterious benefactor who's basically given them, you know, a clubhouse, um, company credit cards, uh, you know, I was going to say private jets, but they, they actually just fly around in a green bubble most of the
1: time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, well, this does follow on from something, because isn't it, what didn't negative man say to Green Lantern, who's who's backing you? Where's your money come from? And I was like, oh, <laughs> that's,
0: that's a good point. Yeah yeah this is, this is a is is paradox, isn't it? because while the Justice League have a larger platform and a bigger fan base, it could be said, they are they are the new unproven team, whereas the Doom Patrol uh, don't have the following they're the indie, they're the indie publishers pj yeah um but they are more experienced and it took neg- negative man to just go like, "Hey, bud, like you're being funded by a mysterious benefactor that's like super villain 101." you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's he's genre-aware,
1: basically, PJ. Well, you know, as long as someone is. <laughs> Should we dive in? Let's do it. Where are we, PJ? I hope it's not a fancy
0: establishment.
1: Oh, well, I'm sorry, it is. <laughs> it's, it's a fancy establishment in Gotham City. Now, PJ, I've turned up in my
0: pirate boots, uh, my kind of blue speedos, and I've got a big red X across my chest. Are they going to let me in?
1: No, no. Oh, they will me. let in, you know, the, the man head-to-toe red spandex um, and the man in the quite frankly garish orange and green get-up. But because you're not wearing a tie with your pants and cape... <laughs> i'll be honest with you like if this place is 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 that kind of
0: snobby i am actually just kind of amazed they let black canary in i'm surprised this might be just like a gentleman gentleman's only club or something like that no you know what i think it is racism because (laughs) john's green (laughs) yeah it's 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 good old-fashioned spacism um the man on the door is not happy that uh john is here and that he's um
1: well i guess he 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 is he looks the way he is i suppose yeah, the, the doorman tries to defend it by saying, look, the others are irregular enough, but they are at least moderately clothed. <laughs> Sean's like, all right, I'll just shapeshift into a guy in a suit then. How's that? Yes, uh, he, he just he just become, becomes a handsome,
0: mustachioed man uh, and uh, just lets himself
1: in, basically, because why not? I wonder if he's meant to be a specific man, like Errol Flynn or something like that. I'd wondered about that. I wouldn't put it past the creative
0: team. We know he's a movie buff. Yeah, yeah, that does make a lot of sense. Exactly. Uh, but um, yeah, so these uh, these these fantastic men and women in their colourful garbs um, march their way into this into this fancy establishment, only for you know in a, in a classic a classic kind of op- opener to an issue, for Green Lantern to confront Simon Carr. Who is the? Um, I guess they kind of go between with their mysterious benefactor and say, Simon Carr, only you know the secrets of the Justice
1: League. Tell us everything you know. Which is a very, you know, that's like a line you'd get on the cover of a comic. Yes. Uh, yeah. In, in the Silver Age, isn't it? It's very much <laughs> set up the story straight away. <laughs> only this, only this businessman can save the Justice League,
0: but I'll have to beat him at quikes
1: first
0: <laughs> oh, that, that, that's, that's, that's a good threat, that, that could work
1: yeah <laughs> uh, but yeah, so, and, and Flash tells Greenland to ease up, stop being a, a character from the cover of a Silver Age comic book Green Lantern God, but he does say, look Mr. Carr I'm sorry, but we do need to ask you questions about who our mysterious benefactor is you know, we've we've taken on your nephew we've, we've taken your money, but we need to know more and black canary says for all we know could be vandal savage
0: yeah and uh you know hal is like hal is is very much well i don't know he he's he's trying to be big decisive leader man but he's also just being very kind of like brash and not really taking on board what his his friends are saying because he's like um you know, he's like, look, we want to trust you, Car. We even let your we even let your nephew Snapper be our maintenance kid. To which somebody off panel just goes, man. He goes, well, whatever. You know, I'm not comfortable, and uh, you know, we, we can't keep living under this uh, level of suspicion, basically.
1: Yeah, pretty much. But Simon Carr is like, look, I all I can tell you is that he is a really cool guy.
0: Yeah, like, uh, you know, he's like, I'm, I'm very sorry, but. Uh, you know how it is, and um, but he says, you know, uh, you know, don't, don't worry, don't worry. Trust me here. I assure you, your your uh, the man funding you is a man of great character and altruistic motive. And uh, as we hear that,
1: we see uh, a certain billionaire playboy on the phone. PJ, a man of great character and altruistic motive, you could say, for it is Bruce Wayne. Uh, yes, and uh, he's chatting on the phone. To somebody
0: um uh a mr queen uh although he insists he calls him oliver you know i guess they have a business uh a business uh proposal to discuss yeah and um they're uh well basically he's being uh he's being distracted by uh another rich person because basically everybody here is rich and this is um oh but this name's already falling out of my head maxwell lord maxwell, maxwell lord, lord yeah so PJ, just as a bit of context, because uh, this this is everybody in their youth. What do we know about
1: Maxwell Lord as a as a character? Well, he was like the league's financial backer. I think it was financial backer or something in the eighties run the the Justice League comic with uh, J M D. Mateus and oh god, who else, uh, <laughs> my brain's gone again. But yeah, you know the the famous one where Batman punches out Guy Gardner in issue one. You know that that one.
0: <laughs> yeah, and kind of around the era of like Justice League International, that sort of yes. time. Yes, yeah, yeah. And didn't also Maxwell Lord end up becoming a bit of a villain? Spoilers
1: during Infinite Crisis. <laughs> yes, because Wonder Woman murders him at the end of um, one of the prelude to Infinite Crisis. Stories, I believe.
0: Yeah. Did did he end up having, like, psychic powers or something at that point? Yeah, something like that, yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. Yeah. And, no, it's it's irrelevant. Oh, yeah, and I believe uh, was the the villain in um, the Wonder Woman 1984 movie. Yeah. There you go. Uh, Anyway, so um, Bruce is uh, not familiar with uh, Maxwell Lord and um, there's a bit of snobbery around the club because um, well, you see, Bruce is old money and Maxwell Lord is uh, is new money. So, you know a different class, basically.
1: Yeah, which means Lord is um, I guess yuppie-ish in character he's sort of shouting about how he's going to nail the blonde sure, okay uh, and Bruce is like, oh, well that explains the vigour. And Maxwell Lord says, "Well, don't you want to know who their mystery financier is?" And Bruce just yawns and says, "No, I I don't pay attention where my money goes. I have people for that, so I really don't care."
0: Yeah, a uh, big, big, big yuppie energy coming off Maxwell Lord, and um, uh, but Bruce, you know, he's he's got a he's got a part to play here. So he says, "Well, you know, whoever is funding the Justice League, I'm just glad, uh, you know, their headquarters isn't in Gotham. He's done us all a favor. Now, yeah. if only we could get rid of that horrible bat creature." That's rumoured to stalk the night. Well,
1: hmm, that would be a big improvement. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But uh, the other guy there who's not a supporting Justice League character in the future, Chatsworth, just says, (laughs) I agree. And Maxwell Lord says, oh, stuff a a sock in it. I want the JLA as close to me as possible. I like the idea of it. In the right hands, with the right guidance, they could change the world. Foreshadowing... Foreshadowing, yes, and I—I I don't know if that means he's got hidden depths or
0: or just big vision, but um, it's uh, it's surprising, you know. Ooh, I wonder, I wonder if their paths will ever cross again.
1: No, I don't think so.
0: Uh, and so we go back to the Justice League, who are talking to Simon Carr, who's trying to uh, kind of you know, put their mind at ease, while um, Aquaman examines
1: a uh, stuffed swordfish in a in a tank. <laughs> yeah. But Simon and, Carr basically says, you've been in no danger of being compromised. And Jean just says, all right, he's telling the truth. And everyone else is like, "Ah, oh, we can't be sure. And Jean goes, oh, no, I can. I read his mind. And everybody is horrified. Yeah. <laughs> to
0: which we cut to um, a high speed conversation as, uh, you know, um, Flash runs. Uh, Jean and Hal fly. Aquaman holds on for dear life to the motorbike. <laughs> uh, that black canary is, is driving, and everyone is um, is kind of shocked to discover that Jean has yet another superpower that
1: um, he apparently just failed to mention to them. He says he's, he he's certain he did mention it when they first met, but uh, <laughs> black canary just says, "Well, maybe, but it's still creepy." Is that it? Any other abilities? Uh no,
0: and he says no, no, you're aware of all of them. Like uh you've you know, that's the last sprung on the on the Swiss army knife. You've you've seen it all. <laughs> and I do wonder about that. Like I'm trying I'm I'm
1: losing track of all the powers, but like um has he mentioned every single power? Uh, uh mentioned or demonstrated at this, but I mean obviously flight and super strength they've seen. I'm pretty sure they've seen the Martian vision. They know he can shape shift, so uh in- invisibility? Well, that's just part of the shapeshifting, isn't it? Uh, density manipulation.
0: Oh, oh, yeah. Maybe they don't know about that. Yeah, no, maybe they don't. Maybe, maybe, maybe he doesn't know either. Maybe he's forgotten he can do that. <laughs> I would lose track of all these powers.
1: Yeah, yeah. To be fair, I don't think it's a. That's probably the power he uses the least. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. To be fair,
0: like Zhang's powers are often inconsistently applied. Um, I think I think it is hard to keep track of all of them. But yeah. um. I just, I just, I'm just, you know, his greatest power, PJ, is his winning personality. (laughs) Although right now it's not really doing, winning him over to the team. Hal is being very salty about this and he's like, well, whatever, I've got to go to work. Um, But I'm sure you knew that already, didn't you, John? John. And (laughs) uh, Barry, you know, tries to defend him a bit and says, well, I'm sure John wouldn't invade our private thoughts, right, John? And John's like, no, no, of course not. I'm, I'm sorry if I made you paranoid. That was not my intent. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes. I'm sure that puts everyone's mind at ease as as the team, uh, the team departs.
1: Yeah, they they go off
0: to to their civilian lives. And... Yeah, and uh, I'm sure everyone's completely happy, PJ, and there's absolutely no strife or drama.
1: Yeah. So we cut to Dinah hanging up on her mother and and basically <laughs> saying, I'm not talking to you. Call the operator. And then Mike, the policeman we met in issue one, walks in with two coffees, suspiciously. Yes, and he, and he says, like, uh, you know, for such a small girl, you've sure got a big voice. Wink. Now, see, I don't think Dinah would be that small. For her to be... <laughs> because it's not just the sonic cry is it she's obviously a, a, a highly trained and capable martial artist yes. so surely there'd be muscle definition and things that you could see on her arms because she is just wearing a t-shirt here but you know maybe, comics whatever
0: yeah i do not
1: yeah exactly
0: and maybe he's just like he's like he calls everybody small i suppose yeah <laughs> I, there's been nothing to suggest that she is anything less than of average height and build and well frankly as you said above average Muscle definition. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway,
1: she doesn't have super hearing, so maybe
0: she missed that bit.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, there we go. (laughs) And he he asks if there's a family squabble going on because he heard the end of the phone call. And she sort of reveals some things without revealing everything so that she found out a family secret the other day that her mum had an affair with a family friend and her father never found out about it before he died. And that she saw these men as her uncles, and now it hurts to find out that they're just human. And I, I've got to say, PJ, I, I do continually lose track of this
0: because there's so many people called Ted in the JSA. But is it was it Ted Ted Grant who turned out like um, no Ted Knight was Ted it Star- Knight? It was Starman, yeah. Starman. Sorry, that's it. Yes, who I think the inference being
1: is is actually her biological father. I don't think it's inferred that he's her father. It's just that's just who her mum had the affair with.
0: Well, I did wonder because I know in that brief moment where she goes to the JSA kind of like old people's reunion party. There's a little moment between Dinah and Ted Knight, if I if I remember this correctly. No, I guess it isn't. It's, yeah, I don't know. You're right, PJ. I guess I, I'm reading too much into it. There's no there's no inference, I suppose.
1: No, I I didn't get that from it. Just it's just just an affair that happened. Yeah. Say, you know, I say just and like it's not a big deal, but I I don't get any in, um any sort of inference that, that Dinah diner is Starman's uh, daughter. Well, frankly, there are
0: enough st- people in the Starman family as it is like i I think we're up to
1: like 10 star men at this point so yeah
0: i don't think we need another branch on that tree honestly i
1: think the biggest thing on this page though is when you as she's talking about them you see the jsa and i did not realize that that was the atoms costume oh did you not no he's showing a lot of flesh that weird uh, it's like he's wearing an apron and then just a cape and a mask
0: (laughs) yeah uh, that is uh I I have I dare say that's a a a better interpretation of of the Axum costume than I, <laughs> than I've actually seen. Um, and again, I I do love just the original Axum's power that he's just a slightly small man who uh has, is is very good at fighting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Before he got all atomic, yeah, he he was just a man of slightly below average height who who could pack a punch.
1: it was a simpler time oh but anyway (laughs) anyway mike and dinah are talking and and they're sort of getting closer and she says well there is someone i could talk to about this but mum wants me to take after the florist side of the business i want to take after the other side of her life and she doesn't want me to but i'm doing it anyway uh yeah
0: and um you know and uh you know uh nice policeman mike is like um well you know um you said your mom had a life outside the flower shop. Couldn't couldn't you have followed in those footsteps? And um, yeah, I guess I'm kind of repeating what you said, PJ. But basically, she's like, no, I did it my own way. I, I kind yeah. of, you know, I, you know, I I I I do things my own way. Basically, that's that's the big thing here. Dinah's, you know, trying desperately not to be her mom and kind of just forging her own path.
1: Yeah, and she she points out, you know, this the the florist, the nine to five. That's the role. It has its place. I like it, but. And Mike says, "It's not all of you, and then he gives us some advice, which is be true to yourself, decide once and for all, which is the disguise. So is she Dinah Lance, the florist, or is she Black Canary the superhero? And
0: um, <laughs> we see through 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 um you know the door to the back room, we see the black canary wig, which is you know obviously as iconic as Superman's cape, kind of <laughs> uh, you know around the back. Of course, due to the weird coloring in this panel, it's kind of like orange. Which makes me think like, you know, like, oh, does she have like another identity, you know, uh, as well? Um, But yeah, uh, and, you know, Mike, Mike uh, gives her a bit of, you know, a little bit of uh, a tease because he's like, oh, you know, there's someone else you can talk to because she talks about, you know, knowing another man who's a good listener. And uh, she's like, well, you know, I don't know. It's just this guy. He's part of this group I get together with sometimes. He's a little quick on his feet. And all that, and oh. uh, yeah, you know, so uh,
1: could be anyone, could be anyone, PJ. And then we cut to a mysterious room where Mike uh, is there with a file on Black Canary, and then we also see—I can't remember her name—the woman that was visiting Hal Jordan and Ferris Air a few issues ago with a file, and then the guy who the the uh, the Coast Guard guy who's befriended Aquaman with a file on the Flash. And they're talking about feeling guilty, manipulating trust, but does that matter when there's so much at stake? And they've got files on all four members of the Justice League. Yes, indeed.
0: Oh, yeah, and um, and also, wasn't there like, um, oh, uh, in addition to the Coast Guard, there was like a detective guy that uh, Flash met briefly. Oh, yes,
1: yeah, that's the one we see holding the Flash file. I, the The Coast Guard guy is the one with the moustache, that's right. Yes, there there is <clears throat> mm, yes for somebody close to each of the leaguers is uh,
0: collecting dossiers. And um yeah, and then uh you know the figure walks away and goes hologram on and uh, the kind of hidden wall with all the photos and files uh kind of I guess kind of fades away uh, behind a, a cloaking device.
1: Yeah. And then we cut to locust scientists holding files on the league and talking about, well, we've got to keep our eyes on them, uh, but they don't even realise we're doing it. Ha ha! We're great.
0: Yes, and uh, you know mm. it's it's nice to check in with um, our resident um, society of mag scientists. You know, because they've <laughs> they've um, they've got the branding, they've got the uniforms. I mean, it'd be a shame not to uh, not to see them. Yep. And. Um, Yeah, yeah, you know, they're like uh, always planning, like years and years of planning, a decade of planning. And, uh, you know, we've come too far to let the League interfere with our plans. Um, Because apparently, PJ, um, their, their experimentation is awaiting the final test, which is, and I'm going to quote now, they have refined the Android technology, they've mastered the alien DNA they stole from the JLA, We've perfected the transfer of human tissue to laboratory-created life. Everything is in place. And then mm-hmm. a big naked purple man bursts through the wall. Uh, a big naked purple man uh, <laughs> bursts through the wall. It's um, it's uh the unstoppable
1: bulk. Pj. <laughs> yes. Well. Uh... That is what Homer Simpson turned into in an issue of Simpsons Comics, where they spoofed superheroes and had a nuclear explosion. Good memory, Pete. I'll tell you what, PJ. Randomly, uh, it
0: this complete coincidence. I was thinking about that issue of Simpsons Comics like yesterday. There must be, <laughs> some, must be something in the air.
1: I used to have the trade that collected it, the Bartman, because they did a six-issue yeah. Bartman mini. I had that, that had that issue in it as well. And I, yeah. I just remember Homer being. Was it the ingestible bulk? The yeah, angrier he gets, like the hungrier that. he gets.
0: And I always God, it's funny what sticks in your brain. I always remember that, like, um, I think it was Troy McClure became a superhero who could multiply himself, but every copy was only half as powerful as the previous one. Yes. <laughs> yeah. God, why do I remember that? I really. Yeah. There was some really funny stuff in that. <laughs> yeah. Um. But no, so I mean, Big Purple Man uh, smashes through the wall, and um, and his colleagues are like. Oh, for crying out loud,
1: Ralph. Stop breaking walls. Yeah, you scared yeah. us. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, oh, you're you're such a scamp, Ralph. It's like he's just caused <laughs> a lot of damage. You should probably reprimand him. Yeah, he's 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 the
0: office uh, the office jester, basically. Uh, is old Ralph, big purple Ralph. And um you know, and Big Purple purple Ralph is like uh you know, uh sorry, Jack, you're like just fooling around, you know, mm-hmm. and uh But look <laughs> at me, it works. Uh the gene crafting, the brain transfer, it all works.
1: And I, I guess we can infer that uh he wasn't always a big purple guy. I think this is sort of following on from the previous two issues and the experiments that the brain was doing with the with the gun and they've sort of now perfected the building of a big purple body for for their scientists to transfer their brains into. Yes indeed and
0: um this calls for you know champagne so um yeah they 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 start pouring everyone uh, a drink and uh, because yeah they now have the power PJ to build new host bodies in forms such as these we and we alone will
1: survive the coming holocaust ooh and then the, the guy who's sort of running things says activate the Omega phase and prepare for the end of the world. And another scientist is like, Not so fast! What about the Justice League? And the head scientist says, Oh, we're fine. We've uh, their other enemies are keeping them quite busy. And then we get a two-page, double-page spread of the Justice League fighting assorted enemies, including the Invisible Destroyer, the Icicle, and everyone's favourite, Gorilla Grod. Grog's back. Grog's a panel. back.
0: <laughs> and um, and apparently the phantom the phantom doom
1: as well now uh i have done a little bit of research while we've been covering the issue and as far as i can see uh the on uh, uh the DCUguide.com, i couldn't find anything anywhere else says that this story shows four undocumented adventures occurring during this issue so i do not believe these are like panels oh. from old justice league issues i might be wrong
0: but well uh, the only the only thing that springs to mind, PJ, and I think we are going to cover it on a future episode, is, well, I don't know. I'm not, well, I don't know. I'm confused now because, no, I'm being an idiot. I might be being an idiot, PJ, because they say here, you know, they battle against the Invisible Destroyer. And in that shot, we appear to see um, Black Canary and Jean rendered invisible Mm. to the point where only their clothes are visible yeah and i thought for a moment that this was a reference to i believe grant morrison's first ever justice league story which was brought to our attention i believe by christopher Monica and murphy yes so yeah it was this was long before the justice league series that we know and love which is why we're here uh in which uh, the the league this incarnation of the league had to fight um their costumes which had uh, come to life <laughs> um
1: no i i can't find anywhere where it says that these are references to specific issues of brave and the bold or justice league of america if i am wrong i would i would very much like to know but yeah the the internet seems to imply these these are just sort of random things that the creative team have have stuck in as we get uh Sort of a, a news story about how the Justice League over a few short weeks has conquered a number of challenges.
0: I really would have thought this would have these would have been kind of individual issues. Um Yeah. The Icicle is uh is very much like um an old villain, isn't he? Like he's he's very much like um a forties JSA kind of enemy. Yeah. Yeah the obvious comparisons to him and a completely different character, Captain Cold, are striking.
1: Yeah, um, and but he's he's got one of those sort of classic old old school costumes, which is all baggy top and a big bag and and a cool sci fi gun as well. So
0: you don't get many superheroes or villains with a, a satchel anymore. No,
1: there's there's not enough satchels in in costumes.
0: Green Goblin used to be a big actually. There's a lot of there's a lot of Green Goblin energy about the icicle actually,
1: with his big kind of pointy hat. There is actually, yeah, and and the big grin. Um, I know Invisible Destroyer is a classic Green Lantern bad guy. I'm pretty sure he was, in fact, like, the first supervillain Hal faced as Green Lantern.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: Um,
0: Was uh, the invisibleness somehow useful beyond just kind of making people, you know, (laughs) uh, impossible to see? I think it was a 60s gimmick. (laughs) Sure, why not? I imagine it looked great on a cover. Yeah. (laughs) Um. But yeah, so I mean, like, if there's a news article, PJ, about how the Justice League are very busy, um, I wonder who's writing it.
1: Oh, look, it's Clark
0: Kent at the Daily Planet. I really like his writing, PJ. Yeah.
1: I wonder if he has a double life. I'm sure he doesn't. No, I'm sure. I'm sure it's, it's he's just dedicated to his journalistic career. And he's he's writing about the Justice League. He's like working out of their headquarters in and then he realizes he has no idea where the headquarters is. He's typing very fast, there, isn't he? That's. Um...
0: I wonder if he has a kind of Kryptonian enforced typewriter to, um, you know, make it possible for him to, uh, you know, so he doesn't destroy it with a single finger tap. That or Perry White is wondering why he keeps on having to buy new typewriters for Clark Kent. Well, he's so good, PJ, that he's he's worth the expense, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I also like that uh, while uh, Clark is trying to um, kind of like complete this article about the Justice League, he, you know, realises to himself that like, you know, I actually have no idea where their base is. I, uh, so he looks out the window to do a quick uh, telepo- telescopic scan. But um, from the context of the, uh, the, the panel and the colour, it really looks like he's just randomly blasting of, uh, <laughs> yeah. up something with his heat vision.
1: Yeah, it's his heat vision, isn't it? But he says, I'm sure I've seen them in New England. And then as he's scanning, he's like, great, Scott. And he starts to run out the room. And Perry White says, Kent, we're going to press in 12 minutes. Where's the piece on the... And Clark says, oh, I've got it, but I've got a lead on any development. <laughs> and Perry's like, are you joking? Come back. But Clark has disappeared into a cupboard. And then he rips open his shirt to reveal that S we all know and love. And it's Superman. I love the
0: idea. And I, I, I think this really kind of... Um solidified in all-star superman for me i really love the idea that while obviously clark has the advantage of being superman so he can go places see things hear things that obviously give him an edge as a journalist i actually really have idea that he's a very good writer as yeah. well that's yeah. got nothing to do with being superman i think i think there's a great panel where like um uh, uh perry is 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 saying like uh you know, this is this is why I hire Clark Kent. You know, I have no idea how he gets these scoops, but it's just good old fashioned books on ground journalism and this <laughs> is like amazing writing. I I just I like the idea that he's kind of slow and ponderous around the office, but just gets a lot done.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I also like that this page ends with the classic silver age line. This looks like a job for Superman. Yes, and to be honest, like I guess it's a credit to this book
0: that I'd kind of forgotten about Superman. I know that sounds <laughs> stupid, but like we've spent so much time with these characters that you kind of you stop thinking that like, oh wait, I'm reading a Justice League book and there is no Superman.
1: Yeah. You sort of feel his influence on the book, because of course he's sort of responsible for the beginning of this new wave of heroes and they've talked about him. Uh he, he fought one of the Appalachians as well in the first issue. Um but yeah, it's. It, this is the first time he's appeared overtly, and that he's actually there. And I've got—I've got to be honest—I have got a genuine thrill from him turning up. Yeah, it's all, its always a joy, basically. Yeah, every time. Got to love Superman.
0: I, th- I think, and again, it, to some extent, it it does go back to for me, the, the the kind of paradox of of Superman not being a founding member of of the yeah. league. Um, and, and we'll touch on this because I I think like um, the moment he's around these people. You know, it's it's hard to not just imagine him as the leader. Like, he just kind of... He so effortlessly slips into that role, basically. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: but hey, but the League aren't having a good time, PJ. No, they seem to be on an alien world. Someone called Zotar has struck again and teleported them, and they don't know how they're going to get home. And they're all just fighting big alien monsters.
0: Yeah, um uh varied alien monsters as well. There there seem to be like a, lots of there's a robot, there's you know a lot of kind of like um green things, I suppose. Um but as we as we punch in on the uh the big robot we see that it's being piloted by um well a, a very silver age looking villain who um yeah who's kind of you know watching them and laughing from his control room because it so- turns out
1: they haven't been teleported PJ. Uh they've been tricked by an illusion. Yeah, they're actually fighting each other. This is Zotar the Weapons Master. I've done research. This bit of the issue is a retelling. Hey, there we go. Of a story from the Brave and the Bold 29, uh, a star-studded spectacular challenge of the Weapons Master where the Justice League fought Zotar the Weapons Master. Obviously, in that version, it was Wonder Woman and not Black Canary. But... um, Apparently it had also already been retold in the post-crisis <laughs> era in the pages of Superman the Man of Steel Annual 4 in 1995, uh, which I also haven't read. So I don't right. know how different a take on it it is. <laughs> but yeah. Oh, I mean,
0: this is where you'll start to go mad trying yeah. to make sense of the continuity. Um, best could just sit back and enjoy the ride, exactly. I suppose. Exactly. But anyway, like, interestingly, the League aren't fighting monsters. They're they're merely fighting each other. They just don't realise. Yeah. And, you know, they look up and, oh, no, like a, a, a terrible... Well, e- they eagle. look up and
1: Aquaman shouts, look, up in the sky! That's important. It's a bird, PJ. It's <laughs> it a, is bird. a bird. <laughs> it is a bird. But it's, it's, a... it's shooting a heat ray at them, and then the heat ray blasts the device, and Black Canary says, wait, we've been tricked. That's no bird. As Superman flies into action. Yeah, and leaving the poor League, I don't know, looking a little
0: sheepish, perhaps. Uh, and yeah. uh, they're like, you know, we, we were tricked, uh, Superman saved us, um, but he has no idea what he's wading into. And Howl's like, well, are we going to stand back and let him bat clean up? I don't think so. Come on! And the, yep. the magnificent Seven leap into battle. Six. Sorry, I meant to say six. I was really aiming for six. I... I, I <laughs>
1: The words almost arrived at my mouth. Um, but I love how Superman's just all business, and as he's tearing bits apart, he's just like, somebody want to fill me in here? And Flash does. He says, this is, this is Zotar, he's the weapons master, he says he comes from 10,000 years in the future as Flash punches Zotar out.
0: Yeah, very much a uh, uh, a poor man's Kang, I would say. <laughs> yeah. This is a big yeah. thing. Like super uh, Superheroes in the 60s were always fighting like... Um, you know, kind of
1: uh, techno people from the future. It just—it happened a lot. It did, yeah. And Jean says that his weapons would would seem to say that, yeah, he's he's from the future. It's all supremely advanced. And Hal's like, it's all very dangerous as well. I'm just going to start blowing things up. And Superman points out, you should be careful. We don't know what most of this equipment is. And Hal's like, it's rubble. And then Hal gets blows something apart that launches loads of yellow bubbles at him. Yeah, like um. Yeah, just tribbles, PJ. It's just full of uh,
0: yeah. full of tribbles, and um, like Superman's like, uh, "Why did he do that?" Uh, and Black Canary's like, "Well, you know, he's fearless. That's useful sometimes." Um, and uh, yeah, they're all being swamped by tribbles. Uh, basically, just uh, just an art like a, a sea of tribbles, which are apparently. Um, the antibodies
1: of Zotar's big, big robot. Yeah, and Superman and John are both burning them off with their respective heat visions. Uh, Black and Ares getting them with sonic vibrations and Flash is, is vibrating himself out of it. But Hal is stuck because they are also yellow. They are completely yellow. Um,
0: again, I, I, I don't understand entirely how the yellow limitation works. Like, uh, could he have... Made a big green ladder that didn't touch the yellow things and climbed out
1: of it. I think he was too too swamped by yellow to do it. There was no no space for his green ladder. But as Jean says, teamwork will be his salvation. As as Black Canary uses her screen to save him. And they're like, but where's Aquaman? And Flash is like, he's fine, and he's just swimming through the entity bodies towards Zotar <laughs> which I love.
0: Yeah, and, uh, I mean, like, poor Zotar. Like, Aquaman just punches him square in the face. Um, <laughs> bearing in mind, uh, Aquaman, the strongest naturally occurring life life form on planet Earth. Um, y- yeah, ow, basically. And, um, <laughs> and then Superman being Superman is like, well, you know, I, I looked at the label on this device and it seems to be a time porter of some sort. So... I guess if I smash this, you'll just be banished back to your home, uh, your home time. Yeah,
1: and uh, <laughs> and it works. Yeah, Zotar just fades, fades away, shouting, "I should have won! It's not fair! It's not fair!" And he's gone. And and Black Canary says, "Well, yeah, but well, that's what you get when you mess with the Justice League, right, Lantern?" But Green Lantern's not paying attention. He is just staring at Superman. Yeah,
0: I don't know. Cask's a big shadow, does Superman? It's because he's
1: tall. He's very tall and wide, very broad. <laughs> yeah. I always love that moment in DC versus Marvel where um Peter Parker hits on Lois Lane and then Clark Kent turns up behind him and Peter's just like, "Oh, you could squash me like a bug." <laughs>
0: <laughs> and also that was Clark with a mullet as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like what a time to be alive. Um but yeah, so um, you know, after you've got after you have a nice outing with your friends, um you invite them back to the clubhouse for like a uh, cocoa and uh, you know a chat and yeah um, <laughs> yeah so, yeah, so um, they're sh- they're giving Superman the tour basically and um,
1: you know he's being he's being very kind he's he's very impressed by it all yeah he says very impressive and then from a ceiling panel you just hear impressive is that all you can say. And then snap a car, pops his head out and goes, Canary, what kind of lunkhead philistine is so severely underappreciating the genius I've invested into this hole? And then realises who's in the room and just like, oh, don't hurt me. <laughs>
0: yeah, and again, a Superman already... Classic Superman. ...already just, just having this incredible reputation, even as a relatively new hero. And he just uh, catches a, a screwdriver and goes, I wouldn't
1: dream of it. Here, son. I believe you dropped this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then Aquaman, because they don't know Superman has super hearing, whispers to Flash, you, "You're going to ask him. You wanted him to join." <laughs> yeah,
0: I love. I love everyone's being very nerdy about this. Like, yes. ev- uh, it's like asking for
1: an autograph. They're they're all quite shy. Yeah. So Black Canary sort of shoves Flash forward, and he he says, "All right, fine. Well, you know, we've accomplished." a great deal and Superman's accomplishments are more astounding if we were to combine forces and no telling what we could do I'd like to nominate Superman for membership and Aquaman seconds the nomination and then Superman says no <laughs> uh
0: yeah and <laughs> um uh, surprise twist um uh Barry looks genuinely heartbroken he's like what And that's the end of the issue. To be continued. That is it, yeah. (laughs) Well, there we go. There we go. Um, The cameo and crushing disappointment we've all been waiting for. Oh, it's great, though. It's a fun episode. It's a fun issue.
1: Yeah, it is. I I really like it. I think um, they managed to pack a lot into it, don't they? You've got the... Confrontation with with Simon Carr. You've got all the Locust stuff. It covers some other f- missions the League have had, and then you get a battle with the Weapons Master, guest starring Superman. So it's yeah. a really well paced issue.
0: It is. It is. I agree, and, and I think it, it's one of those uh, situations where um, the episodic format of uh, comics uh, really really shines because mm. I guess if you if you actually look at this issue on paper. Uh, you could say nothing, like nothing really happens. You, I, I was gonna, it's very kind of slice of life. Yeah. And you, so if you're being critical, you could say, well, nothing really happens. It doesn't really have a focus. You know, one minute they're like confronting a dude, then it's like private life stuff, then it's a montage, then Superman turns up. So on paper, you could go like, oh, well, you know, this isn't this is a very punchy issue. However, in reality, it's just lots of lovely character moments like everything is kind of moving the story forward the greater yeah. story like uh, we get you know character development we explore the relationships like what's troubling people um it's it's grand
1: yeah it's a lot of fun and it's it's not the last time we're going to see superman in the book he may not be joining the league at this point but you know there's there's more to come yeah
0: um spoilers i think um superman May play a big part in the future of the league in some way, maybe i mean there's there's no real way to know for sure it, it is still like again this is this is the point of it being like year one like early days it's 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 still very strange to me to have like oh i don't know in particular Jean and Superman in the same room together, and for them not to be like old friends yes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, because that's the relationship I always think of as the two of them, particularly, again, they did it with Aquaman and Jean in this one, particularly as two non-native, like, inhabitants of Earth. Like, I really always liked the relationship between the two of them.
1: Yeah, I've also just realised I didn't do the credits when they appeared in the book. Oh, so PJ, I'm just going to quickly run through it now. The story was called "The American Way," and it was Mark Wade, Brian August, Barry Kitts and storytellers, Michael Bear, inker, Ken Lopez, letterer, Pat Garrahy, colorist, heroic age separations, Peter Tomassi, editor, and everyone did a really good job. They certainly did. They certainly
0: did. Uh, it's fun. It's fun. It's a nice mm. issue. And again, while we do get a combat scene, it's, it's mostly kind of you know, quieter moments, and they're they're also fun. Again, I'm enjoying um, I'm enjoying Barry Kitson's work a lot as the penciler. Not
1: to he, kind of downplay the work of the rest of the art team, but um, yeah. Kitson I, does a great Superman in this issue. It, he's he's all you can feel his presence. He's all power and and you, but also kindness. And it's just another another artist who's just nailed Superman. We've had quite a few of them, and you know, it's it's great to just have quite so many examples of of, of great Supermans. Oh, agreed, and you know
0: particularly in a genre where a lot of characters can just be muscular man and then let's just chop and change the outfit. You know, they're the same dummy underneath. Um, Superman looks completely different to Hal, you know, who looks completely different to Aquaman, uh, despite them all just being like muscular dudes in spandex. Like, they're completely different body types. There seems to be a real knack to drawing Superman with that very square chest yes not everyone can do it yeah yeah i I say that someone who can't draw to save his life but yeah (laughs) yeah sometimes you look at like a drawing of superman and you're like well that could be batman wearing a superman costume but uh no this is most definitely uh the big blue cheese exactly exactly it's it's really good uh yeah I, i i i I don't know what else to say. I, I'm enjoying it. Uh, we know, obviously, there's a mystery developing behind the scenes. Um, I guess I, I I like that in the illusion they see Superman as kind of like a an eagle. Yeah, uh, an American eagle, if you will.
1: Yeah, shooting
0: lasers out of its eyes. Um, and yeah, um, it's an interesting. Uh, well, I guess I guess. This is the the crux of the series. like uh, I think we're gonna be seeing a bit more of um, some weird uh, weird alien stuff as we as we go ahead. you know, we've got this developing mystery of um, this um, supposed Holocaust that locusts are preparing for. Uh, alien technology, big purple bodies. Um,
1: yeah, I mean I mean to see how it develops. I feel like the next issue is really where we sort of start moving into the final act of year one. Um, things sort of kick up a notch or two. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to to that because some very cool stuff coming. Well, I, for one, am
0: particularly looking forward to uh, next issue. And I don't want to get ahead of myself, PJ, but in a previous episode, I talked about how I've had a copy of The League of Regrettable Superheroes <laughs> near my desk uh, for several episodes now because it's going to become relevant and... The trick is, it's going to become relevant next issue in a big way.
1: Okay, where's my copy? I've got to find it.
0: Yeah, now, now you'll you'll if you work it out, you'll you'll link Oh, I think I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's um, yeah, that'll be fun. So yeah, there'll be a lot of um, there'll be a lot of um, we'll be we'll be referencing other books next issue. So yes, yeah. <laughs> uh yes uh, uh what what can we say uh you uh, whoever guesses it gets a no prize ahead of ahead of next issue no
1: that's a marvel thing
0: oh um um they'll they'll get a uh, oh hang on a minute um what what do we call it the phantom doom they'll get a a phantom oh i've got nothing p j we're writers. we can come up with something they'll get
1: recognition yeah, but get our respects, how about that? I decided I wanted to read The Brave and the Bold 29, the original version of that battle at the end, but it's worth $7,000, so I'm definitely not buying an original copy of that issue. Oh! Uh, Second appearance of the Justice League, so. Wow, well if you wanted to uh, take one for the team,
0: PJ, and, you know, do, uh, track it down, do a bit of research for the show, that would be very kind of you. I'm sure it's in a trade. I, I'm sure, And hopefully a little I hope done. it's in a trade. <laughs> Well, with that in mind, PJ, have we exhausted this avenue of pleasure for this particular uh, issue? I believe we might have, yes. Yeah, I, I'm, you know, we, we are enjoying this series, but, you know, it's nice in a way. It's very lean. It's very punchy. We can, uh, we can, we're, we're kind of in and out efficient.
1: We, yeah, well, why not? Why not? Efficiency no, is the name of the game with this podcast. It's not a complaint. I'm enjoying it's it. It's what we strive for.
0: Uh, well, on that note, and speaking of efficiency, before I waffle any longer, uh, I, I guess I should say a massive thank you to Gav Mitchell for drawing our incredible cover artwork. And to
1: Elliot Redd for composing and performing our amazing theme tune, Justice. Uh, is there anything you'd like to shout about, PJ? Anything you'd like to promote? Uh, not this week, no. Uh, do I have anything I'd like to promote? Um
0: Oh yeah, I'm uh, I'm I'm it's a small thing, but I'm currently doing um a bit of promo getting it out there uh for the uh, the comic writers journal which is uh now available to purchase from my my website and um uh yeah, so if, you've, if you if I don't know if you ever fancy checking it out and uh maybe bringing one of your own comics to life, um you can visit uh, www.comicwritersjournal.com. So, yeah, that's me. And I'm around. And PJ's here too. Yes, Uh, I am. But no, PJ, this has been uh, an absolute pleasure, as ever. Uh, Thank you for rearranging ahead of my birthday so I can, you know, see in my 58th year in in style. Yes, happy birthday, John, you young thing, you. You young thing. Thank you, PJ. Thank you. Um, And uh, on that note, PJ, could you please see us off in your own unique fashion?
1: Happy birthday, John. It's passed by the time people are listening to this, so they can't wish you a happy birthday, and that makes me sad.